Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Broadway Breakdown. I am your host, Matt Koplick. No. I was going to introduce you. Not a full host. (laughs) Sorry, I'm half of a host, and he already ruined the surprise. Oh, God. Guys, in classic Broadway Breakdown form, I had a big old surprise planned, and your other half of a host fucking splooged his wad all over my back. Ew. I know. It's not phantom shots anymore, like they told you. Uh, guys, John Wiscavige is back to the pod. Hello, John. Hey, everybody. John was... Yeah, no John more phantom was, shots. Full cum. Full, full cum all over the place. All over my face. All Ew. over this table. I, no, I, I don't want... I don't want... I don't care. It's already been said. It's already been kept. Uh, so many worse things have been said. Um... <laughs> John was on what I can only call a sabbatical. Yeah. Um, he... I like a sabbatical. <laughs> I'm not a sabbatical. He's a wordsmith. Um, <laughs> she felt like she just had too much of me in her life. I did. And so willingly got herself some cancer to walk away from me. Yeah, honestly, I've always viewed you as a cancer. So the fact that I was able to manifest it... The secret works, guys. That's what I'm here to say. Yeah. If you I... put something out there... <laughs> It'll come back, and then you'll have to get surgery for it. Yeah, um, that's what secreting does. It's so good to be back with you, Matt. It's so good to be back with you, John. But <laughs> let's be real about this, guys. John's not actually better. He was just really, really pissed off that there were six episodes in a row of this podcast, and he wasn't there for them. I, I do miss the sound of my own voice. <laughs> Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow color. It's been seven weeks since I saw you Because I saw you the week after you got your surgery Yes, you came over and watched um, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane Jane, Which was so much fun Yeah, it was so much fun I forgot how batshit that movie is It's such a great movie long I forgot how long long. the prologue is That beginning I'm like, it's 30 minutes till we meet Betty Davis uh, Which is far too long But I remember you answered the door and like you were in decent spirits considering you had been sliced open a week before yeah. and you were in severe I was, pain. I was still on oxycontin on that in that yeah. moment. And I, I, once I got to the lower narcotics, I was a bit a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but. but but you were walking like 
Gollum and, or yeah. Gollum slash Roger on American Dad, and it was it was truly it was actually beautiful for me to see because yeah. it was you at your most natural state. You were like a little hunched, I was over. hunched over. Your arms were like kind of up by your chest, and your hands were flopping. Was I, was I wearing my silk flowery robe? Yes, you were. Yeah, I, I, I um, it was a great day. Yeah, I, I, it's really helped me see uh, two years into the future when I truly become an old gay man, um, just shuffling around and. and his little and his little booties um, but yeah so I, I'm doing I'm doing much better I'm still I'm still dealing with my limitations and pushing the boundaries but also obeying the boundaries and taking time for me to just heal and I'm going to therapy and mm-hmm. um, dealing with a lot of morbid things and I've been writing every fucking thing down to one day turn it into something, whether it's a book or um, a play. It's not going to or... be a book. I don't know. You yeah. don't read books. I don't, but um, listen, <laughs> I write things and people read them and, and, and seem to enjoy them. So yeah. if, I could, I, if I could be the next... Um, I mean, I'm, I would nowhere be near David Sedaris. I'd be like David Sir. But like, if I could be like the next like Devza, sure, <laughs> that, that I, I would do it. But yeah, so I'm 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 doing I'm doing much better. I, it was also funny because when you saw me weeks ago, I was feeling much better from where I had been. In actuality, I was probably at a 30%, but like coming from a zero, a 30% yeah. felt so much. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel that completely. Um, yeah. But I also I, was I, not putting on airs for you guys. I, no. I was like, this is yeah. this is me right now. You, you, I mean, you hadn't showered and you I weren't... I probably maybe had. Maybe. I, I mean, you didn't smell or anything, but like your hair was exceptionally curly. Yeah. Um, you had, you obviously, like, you, I don't think you had shades in a few days. And you did, like, you didn't look bad at all. But it was just, I'm used to seeing a very specific image of you when you go out into the world. Yeah. And this is very much of a, I don't have any, you no know, uh, pretension of... Uh, pretension. I don't think that's the word I want to use. I don't have any intention of putting on airs for you two. I'm, yeah. you know, the fact that I am standing for you right now is should be enough. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, one of the biggest takeaways from this whole experience in, in the best way has been, um, my like bullshitometer has gotten so, so low over the last couple months mm-hmm. where if I'm not feeling putting on airs for someone, I'm not going to do it. Don't. So I ran into someone a couple of days ago who I, I asked how they were doing as a person. And all they could do was talk about the gig they were doing. The fact that they had a belt in a couple hours. Like, uh, just talking and talking and talking about theater. And we've all run into this with, I... with a person. But um, I just quickly excused myself from the conversation. Not because uh, I, I don't want to celebrate other people's successes. But I, I also see in a lot of ways... Um, we're just really lucky to even be in to even be involved in art in any kind of way, mm-hmm. and so uh, I, I, I don't know. My <laughs> I, I wanted to see how she was as a human, and said she gave me just kind of that like typical kind of like brainwashed answer, and I was like, yeah. no, I was like, I don't, I, I no. <laughs> well, so going from that, and we'll transition soon enough. Yeah. Uh, I stole a term from John a few weeks ago that then got quoted on the message boards uh, toxic positivity toxic positivity um, I applied it towards the theater community in the sense that I've mentioned many times on this podcast John's sick and tired of hearing about it mm-hmm. how I don't believe in repressing negative thoughts or not necessarily negative but non uh, enthusiastic responses mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that's necessarily healthy I think it's 
better for people to sit on it for a minute and then find a way to word it so that way it's beneficial and not hurtful. Yeah. I don't believe in trashing unless it's Finding Neverland. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, like, if I don't like something, it's better. It actually, and it makes you a smarter human being. Yes. To really figure out what it is you don't like about it. For example, this isn't theater, but at Pride this year, I was with um, a friend of mine and her fiance. And uh, for the sake of privacy, I won't use their names. And they were very enthusiastic the entire time until the leather brigade or whatever their actual title is. Forgive Mm -hmm. me for fucking that up came through and they were in harnesses and some were wearing hoods and masks and Mm -hmm. she got very uncomfortable. Mm. And I said, sure, but let, let's talk about why. Yeah. I said, and she had never thought about talking about it before. I said, it's like, you're allowed to be uncomfortable. Right. This is a very specific sexual, uh, fetish or you know things that people enjoy yeah sexually it's not even sometimes it's not even sexual no. sometimes it's a kink thing yeah. and the kinks are not always you know, sexual. it's a, it's yeah, a yeah, very yeah, specific yeah, yeah. subsect uh subsection that does not apply to everybody mm-hmm. and i think they don't expect everyone to want to do it right but acceptance means accepting all elements of gaydom and that is an element of gaydom and also heterosexual culture that is probably not as open about it as many in the gay community are are yeah that's yeah. right that's yes, right. correct um and we talked about it and she learned more about herself from that about what it was about it that made her uncomfortable and what she learned about herself for what she does enjoy and whatnot and that was a great talk to have from something that was originally a negative reaction mm-hmm. um i find in the theater community it's a lot of nope everything's amazing everything everybody does is amazing yeah. and we have to support each other all the time and i'm not always for that but that connects to what you were saying in the sense that also, as many people in the theater community don't dig very deep. No. Um, not not in the sense that everybody's shallow, but sort of in a way of self-preservation, if that makes sense. Um, who was I? Yeah. I think I had someone on the pod, maybe, when we talked about it, where it was um, like people don't... There are many actors who I watch, and I'm like, you are performing what you read in a book sadness is. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily wrong, but I can tell it's fake. And yes. I don't know if it's some people just don't desire to go to that dark section of themselves if they uh, are trying to do something eight times a week in a healthy way, and that's just not healthy for them. But I find that a lot in life with a lot of people in the arts that they just won't go to an honest place, you know? Yeah, and, and that was the thing. I, that was I, a long way to get back to what you were yeah, saying. No, no, but yeah, no, no. yeah. You're, 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 you're completely right. And I totally felt that in a lot of ways. I... I, I it's not that I was looking for this person to go down the 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 list of everything that is wrong or that their their fears or their like you know mm-hmm. I, d- I didn't expect it to be therapy but there is something very interesting in um in going through an experience that is very eye opening that mm-hmm. is very personal that is very um I mean like I I, I might have mentioned this to you in Prescott when I saw you but I mean the thing that I didn't expect for spending a week in the hospital was witnessing um people in the rooms next to me uh or like witnessing family's final moments with loved ones mm-hmm. and there were multiple occasions when that happened and it was very emotional um and I mean, the fragility of life is something that we all deal with at, at, at different speeds because some people have uh, been forced to confront the fragility of life at an early age. Some people haven't. Some mm-hmm. people, you know, I know people who are in their mid thirties who who are like, I still have my grandparents, like both my grandparents, both everything, and and so uh, 
it's it's not a it's not a shaming thing. It's just that uh, no, it's it, a wonderful it, thing. It, but it, yeah, it's just it's just funny as I'm dipping my toes back into the theater world. How um, I'm seeing the different kind of coping mechanisms that people have, and I just um, I'm very happy to still be to still be breathing and kicking along, and um, I see. I see the I see the cl- the clouds from both sides now, which is a Joni Mitchell song that I heard for the first time this week, um, <laughs> and so that that's very that's very on my mind and in a lot of different ways. And um, you got too much heaven on your mind. I do a lot of heaven on my mind. Um, that's Jesus Christ Superstar. I want to make everything about Gethsemane. Me, but, um, but don't you? I do. Um, but yeah, so so um, th- things things are going. That's a really long winded way but that's the only way I know how to do it on here mm-hmm. of saying that I'm doing better in a lot of ways I'm still learning a lot um yeah it's it's been it, it was five this journey started five months ago like two or three days ago mm-hmm. and and so kind of sitting down and realizing that I've been dealing with this for five months was like whoa mm-hmm. whoa and so yeah I've, I've had a lot of time to reflect and a lot of time to um watch tv hey so what are we doing here today <laughs> let's talk about some theater um What's that? <laughs> well, well i don't even know anymore uh funny story we are a solid like three four months into the season because the season yeah. technically starts in june i've seen three broadway shows this season and they're all plays huh. not a single musical so far i'm seeing moulin rouge in january i'm excited to see that yeah i'm decently excited i'm waiting i'm waiting mm-hmm. uh uh I am. I have to get tickets for my family for company and Carolina Change. One of the benefits mm. of having family in the city and having everyone love theater is that they all ask me what to see or like, should I be excited about this? I think I am. And I'm like, be excited for what you're excited for. But half the time they're like, do you want to come with me? And I say, absolutely. I'm poor and I love theater. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of that going on. But you're I saw your family's own today ticks. It's what like, you're like your family's own today ticks. I I you're, truly am. They just yeah. scroll down. They're like, what can I see? And they're just. I mean, I'm I'm really like a hotel concierge in that respect. I'm like, mm, we'll figure it out. Uh, but so I actually recently saw the sound inside, which I really really like. What is that? That is a new Adam Rap play with oh, Mary Louise Parker. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I was supposed to see it this week, but I'm not anymore. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you can. I'm sure you can still see it. It wasn't sold out the night that I saw it. But it's, I don't want to give too much away because part of the appeal of it is really sort of not knowing anything Mm. because a lot of it is sort of how something comes from nothing. Mm. It is a two-person play. It's essentially a memory play. Mm. Uh, And Mary Louise Parker is an English professor, a literature professor, or a creative writing professor. Not entirely clear, but something along those lines at Yale. Okay. And it's sort of her journey from that past year, especially with one student, the process of writing and reading and memory and uh, personal history and life and death. Uh, But what really fascinated me on a technical level was the design and staging of it because Mm. it is sort of a creative memory play. Creative memory play is the best way I would, I could describe it. Okay. The basic concept of the stage is total blackness. Okay. Um, there's usually a light on her, but like the rest of the stage is pitch black. And then every now and then she'll talk about something and you'll see the faint traces of it come out from the black. So oh, like nice. she talks about how she's in the middle of the quad and there's like a tree that she stands by and you slowly start to see a blue outline of that tree, like the real mm. tree itself. And then her office comes into play out of nothing and then her living room. But it's, you know, it's uh, it's pieces. It's like trapped yeah. pieces, but it's nothing is 
detailed completely. There's like small details on some things and then abstract on the others. And it's a really, I loved it for two reasons. One was the representation of memory. Yeah, that's a very valid representation of how we as human people, animals, remember things. Absolutely. Like it it, it floats floats out of nothing. And then we remember specific things, but never the whole picture, no matter what we tell ourselves. We have an abstract vision of the whole picture. But then on a purely theatrical level, I love it because I always feel... What excites me most about a stage, an empty stage specifically, is how anything can come from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that Bob Fosse always really loved. He always was like, give me a black stage, and that's the best set you could ever give me. And not, famously, that's what the Pippin set is. It's basically a black stage, and things come out. That's the basic design of Phantom, is like, it's a right. purely black stage, and then a random thing will come out of nowhere. And that's exciting to me, of not knowing where the next item is, how far does the stage really extend. Mm. It just becomes this big black void of possibility. Um, well, but enough about your grinder profile. <laughs> well, I've said enough about Jeremy Harris. Um, <laughs> dare you? I don't know. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, <laughs> not that I saw his play, but we have thoughts. I would uh, like to see his play, though. I'm very excited I'm by it. I'm trying to see his play. The, yeah. So the three things this season that I've seen so far were Sound Inside, Linda Vista, and Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune. Mm. And I saw Linda Vista because I tried to see Slave play. Uh, I didn't realize that the lottery for Slave Play, you enter the day before and they tell you. Oh, tricky. Yeah. There are a couple of shows that do that now. And I get it because they're like, we don't want you to have to like give up plans like day right. of. So you've, you you enter the day before knowing that you have that day free. We'll okay. let you know that night. And then if you don't win, like you make plans for something else, which was like, okay, great, fine, fantastic. But I just didn't know it at the time. So I didn't enter the Slave Play lottery when I could go. I tried Rush. They weren't selling it for the night. I said, that's rude. And then I got a Linda Vista ticket. And Linda Vista was very nice. Uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Sally Murphy was in it. Oh, Um, yes. We were talking about this a little bit. And that was very exciting to me. There's some peen in it. Uh, Thank God. Yeah. I was like, you know, now that Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune is closed, there was no peen. Yeah, where's that Broadway schlong? Yeah, we need Broadway schlong. Uh, Schlong (laughs) Day's journey into into my sight. Um, And yeah, uh, that's really all I have to say about the plays. Uh, all three were very strong. I liked all three a great deal. I'm looking forward to some more. Um, I'm seeing The Inheritance in a month. I'm very oh, looking forward I'm to that. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited for um, How I Learned to Drive with Mary Louise Parker. Yes. Uh, I mean, truly, I've said it before, Carolina Change is the thing I'm most excited for. I'm very excited for that as well. Um, I've never, I've actually, I purposely never listened to the whole cast recording because I want to, I want to see yeah. the whole thing yeah. as a whole. The only thing whole. that makes me nervous is I don't know really anything about this production and I don't know how it's done and dep- also depends on who they cast, but yeah. the material is fantastic and is I it, can't it, imagine that they fuck it up in a way that you can't tell that the material's good. Is it a transfer from the West End? Yes. Okay, that's transfer from the West End and it's the same leading actress, but as far as we know, no one else in the company is transferring so it's going to be american actors similar to company company yeah. yeah which have you seen any of the ads with katrina lank on their yeah, Facebook stream? she looks great she does she might live near us i'm not sure i'm 90 percent sure i walked by her a couple weeks ago while mm-hmm. i was like right either right before my surgery or like it must have been right before my surgery and um yeah I, i'm like that i'm positive that was katrina lank and then my voice just suddenly got like really centered mm-hmm. and like i was like huh and your pelvic floor just yeah, went, my pelvic floor just opened up my floor yeah. shock my root chakra was like yeah there's this daddy. one one like image of her because they have this they have this commercial for her now on their instagram and facebook and it's clips of the west end production 
spliced together with like publicity with like katrina lankin balloons yeah balloons and and her red outfit because like balloons are like a big concept in this production um but she does like a weird like touching of the hair shoulder shimmy oh i I haven't seen it it's oh you should check it out because it's 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 like it's her among the balloons and like she's popping champagne and all this stuff. I've only seen the stills of it. Oh no, you should check out some of the videos. It's all silent, obviously, but um, and they've like turned some of them into gifs or gif no gifs. Um, it's gifs, but is it gifs? Mo- it is, but oh, most, GIFs. Pe- most people. Sorry. But everyone want, everyone has decided that it should be gifs and it should be, but the creator calls it gif. I'll call it gif. Yeah. Um, th- uh, they've turned some of them into gifs, and one of them is her like touching her hair and doing a shoulder shimmy, and I'm like ah. Love this journey for you. Total 180 from Band's Visit. And like, she just looks, she looks very cosmopolitan and sexy and frothy and it look, but like in a weird, like sultry way. It's yeah. great. I love it so much. Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. I would like to discuss an article that pissed me the fuck off about two weeks ago. But I didn't have a platform public enough to discuss it until today. Until today. Um, yes. So, yeah, we were supposed to record last week, and then John had a stupid friend in town. I'm sorry. I didn't I'm... realize you knew people besides me. I do. I, I actually know a lot of people. You do. Well, you do have, like, more than twice the amount of Instagram followers than I do. So that would make sense. Those I, I bought them. They're all Russian robots. But at least they're good for something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, everyone, imagine, if you will, you're... At the sound inside at Studio 54 with me and my lovely 88-year-old grandmother, Nancy Tickton. We showed up on time. She's 88. She turned off her phone. She did it. I turned off my phone. A couple comes in. John's sick. A couple comes in about 15 minutes after the show has started. Um, and they're a little disruptive just because, you know, one of them is, they're older and one of them has trouble walking. But yeah. they're doing their best. Fine. Sure. But they sit, and the show happens. We get to the 50-minute mark of this 90-minute play, and her phone goes off, loud and clear and distinct. And it takes her about 10 seconds to realize that it's her. Then she's very, you know, embarrassed about it all and whatnot. And part of me understands they were late, and she was so focused about getting there, she forgot to turn off the phone. However... That is not always the case. I can tell you now as someone who's been house managing for about seven days now. um, Phones going off is an epidemic. Not only that, but people going on their phones to check emails, to check texts, what have you. Um, And an article came out recently with uh, the San Francisco Chronicle uh, by a woman named Lily Janiak. I don't know how you say it. Sure. Lily J-A-N-I-A-K. Um, yeah, that sounds great. And it's called The Dog Whistle of Phones in Theaters, or Why Audience Behavior is Always the Wrong Conversation. All right. Um, before we get into this, I just want to say, I've always been of the two of us, the more centralist white man of the two of us, which is to say that I am very liberal and very much like easygoing. John is just like, you know, bomb I, the patriarchy. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, no, I really would like, uh, if, yeah, most, yeah. P- most penises should go away. Yeah. Except, except for, for the, the, yeah, except yeah. for the ones that I want. Exactly. Except, you know, Aaron Tveit's penis, you stay around. But to be fair, I'm pretty sure his is gone if he's singing as high as he is these days. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's a, it's a Little Mermaid situation, but instead of retrieving legs and losing his voice, he gained the voice and lost the penis. And honestly, the the one time that I did walk by him at a re- uh, rehearsal studio while they were rehearsing Moulin Rouge, mm-hmm. um, 
I, it wasn't even about the penis. He just smells good. He smells very good. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. When you get to a certain level of fame, you have to kind. Of, you don't always have to look great, but things like smelling good is kind of important. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're putting on a persona. Yeah. Exactly. Um, That's something yeah, but, we learned from the movie Judy, by the way. I don't know if you saw. Judy. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. But I. But yeah, I, I definitely. I'm definitely more of the. Um, yeah, the the bra burning. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm all for everyone's rights and you know their journeys to life. I have my opinion of stuff, and my journey has informed my view of theater. But I also am very open to other views of shows because everyone's journeys reflect how they view what they view. This article, ladies and gentlemen, I think is, for lack of a better term, fucking stupid. The um, title sounds it. Yes, this article is trying to call out the norms of theater going and what and tries to question what exactly is considered proper theater etiquette in the modern day Mm -hmm. um and taking into account different races generations sexualities genders Mm -hmm. um i say the one thing that all of those things should have in common is respect yes and that is the thing that is being called out with cell phone usage but the reason why race comes into play is because Jeremy O'Harris, who Mm -hmm. recently wrote Slave Play, which, again, have not seen yet, heard wonderful things, has been very vocal on Twitter about when Rihanna came to see the show. I don't know if you read about this. I did read about it. So for those of you who haven't seen, when Rihanna came to see Slave Play, she was running late, as sometimes you do. Uh, Although I will say, running late should not be a chronic thing for most of us. Uh, I have something I'm trying to say to myself so that way I can be more on time for things is I'm an adult and time is just numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, as we learned today, both of us, the subway system can fuck you up. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes people, I mean, I was technically late for the time I was trying to get here, but we made it work. Yeah. Um, but for things like theater, you know, you know when it's supposed to start and you shouldn't go expecting it to run to start late. You should no. go expecting to get on time. Uh, if it's an eight o'clock show, you should consider eight o'clock late. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Seven fifty on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for Rihanna to show up at eight twenty, that's very late. Um, but they held the curtain because she had texted the playwright, Jeremy O'Harris, personally saying, I'm running late. Hold the curtain for me. And he did. Sure. Then she gets there and she's on her phone the entire time. Hmm. And we find out from his Twitter account it's because she was texting him. And he was like, and I responded, of course. And everybody was like, um, no. Yeah. And he kept on going about how, how he views theater and how uh, modern theater is changing and the old norms are dying. We need to embrace it because phones might be a part of the conversation from now on. I'm like, hmm. Mm-mm-mm. I think what theater can be is where it gets tricky, mm-hmm. but the idea of theater etiquette is just, it's just respect. Again, it just comes down to respect. The The article basically is talking about how, I won't go into the whole thing because it's a long one and I don't want to just go on and quote it. You can find it yourself. Um, again, the uh, writer's name is Lily. Uh, yes, Lily, J-A-N-I-A-K is how you spell her last name. And it's the dog whistle of Phones and Theaters, uh, San Francisco Chronicle. She talks about how all these regional theaters now, uh, like the American Conservatory Theater, no longer has no cell phones, no whatever on the front of the theater. They have someone talk about before the show, please, we ask you to silence your cell phones. They want to be respectful and not uh, discourage people from coming. They said, you Mm -hmm. know, she says we should be encouraging uh, new audiences and new generations to come. And if we started off with these rules, aren't we discouraging them from coming and, you know, and and whatnot? Mm -hmm. To which I say, 
if I were to have a conversation with you right now, John, mm-hmm. to your face, and while you started to tell me something, tell me about your like cancer story, right. your cancer story, for like about a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just go start nodding and then whip out my phone to check my email while you do that. That is so disrespectful yes, of is. your time and my time. Yeah. And something that I have said about theater for a long time is that it's never going to be that situation ever again. Mm-hmm. You are never going to get that cast on that night with that audience doing what they're doing each time. It's not a movie. It doesn't happen the exact same way every time. Mm-hmm. Um, things go wrong. Things go right. And each audience brings its own energy. And you are there to see something special mm-hmm. or at least something that can only be captured in that one moment. Why, why distract yourself and others from it? You've we've all paid money to see this. It's a capitalist country, so we pay for these kind of things. And the one thing you can't get a refund on is your time. Yeah. So just pay attention. And even if you don't like it, still pay attention because, as I said earlier, you can then form a smart opinion as to why you didn't like it and defend yourself. If yeah. you're on your phone half the time, I'm not going to listen to why you didn't like it Yeah, or I, why you did. I have a lot of issues with that, actually. Um, okay, let, let's 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 play devil's advocate for a second and mm-hmm. say that she has a little bit of uh, sense and like, or has a, a bit of a right to argue that, you know, we shouldn't discourage this from audiences, blah, blah, blah. blah. And if you think about it, if you think back to what Shakespeare was doing at the globe, mm-hmm. people would shout out things all the time. People would talk back. It was kind of, you know, that was yeah. normal etiquette um, for the time. And then if you think socially, what happened over the years was that it became more of an upper crust thing and it became more of, you know, you had to be reserved. But also what I think people realized is that if you're not talking the whole time, you can actually Here. focus. And, and so it's, it, it's really discouraging to me that, that someone would, would say, oh, you know, we, we should start heading towards that direction more instead of this old, because to me, I actually don't think no cell phones in the theater is an antiquated set of rules. I think it's actually a really beneficial set of rules for mm-hmm. this time and day. Um, it is physically uh it's been proven multiple times that you truly cannot focus on one more than one thing at a time Mm -hmm. so even though rihanna was texting what's his face during the show i'm sure if you ask rihanna today what was that play about or like give me a a synopsis she couldn't no she 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 or like point to his scene and like tell me what was going on in that scene i'm sure she had moments that she was texting about that she really enjoyed and she could she could recount those moments but you truly cannot focus and and so the fact that her argument in it argument is you know people are going to enjoy it in different ways or people are want maybe want to be on their phone i I think that's a bunch of bullcrap yeah um i think that if you are reading a book and someone keeps trying to talk to you the whole time you can't no you 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 can't do it you you and here's the other here's the other thing i think that um I was at a wedding last night that was an unplugged ceremony and it was so much fun. Oh yeah. It was, it's so fucking nice to not have your phone with you, to not do all these things. And and it's, you don't need your phone during a show. No. It's, 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 yeah. It's an opportunity to commit. And what I love about the unplugged wedding is that was an opportunity to commit. People will say, yeah, well, I go on my phone if, you know, it's boring or nothing's happening. And it's, well, you get out of whatever, of something, whatever you put into it. Yeah. And saying, well, we should be encouraging people to come anyway. And if they need their phones, they need their phones. It's like, no, we can be better than this. Uh, We, uh, this is a form of regression, not 
progression. Yeah, I um, agree. I, th- I think it's a, I think it's um, an excuse for what has become the norm, which is, I mean, I do it all the time. We, we do it all the time. We, if we are in an uncomfortable situation, not even an uncomfortable situation, a situation where we don't know what to do. Sure. Instead of... Um, it, instead of confronting okay, it. This is going to be such a huge tangent. But I was thinking about this tangent? last Tangent? I know. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> so I have been watching for the first time in... Um, chronological order the golden girls because there's a <sighs> lot of episodes that i haven't seen good and so i've been watching I'm it so jealous of you it's i love it so much it's great it's so wonderful but and yes i understand that it is a tv sitcom where this is all made up but the, the thing that i find so charming about the show is that these four women had hobbies and the things that they did and ways that they interacted with people and 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 and, and they lived lives and I'm looking at this and sometimes especially in the last eight weeks as I have had the utmost amount of time on my hand to do anything that I've wanted to there have been days where I will look up and I've accidentally spent all day on my phone and number one I feel like shit Mm -hmm. because I got nothing from it I just kept re-scrolling and like refreshing and and it's she is arguing for a Band-Aid that I think um, theater, that I think theater is so much more than you know. The, theater are the stitches for the wound of society, for our issues, for what we go through. It's, it's a way for us mm-hmm. to come together and heal. I think that phones don't do any of that. Phones allow us to escape into our own insecurities, into our own. Um, to feed into our own anxieties, Mm -hmm. to feed into our ideas of if I, I mean, there were awkward moments at this wedding last night where we were sitting with people we didn't know and and the conversation lulled. But when push comes to shove, we all kept the conversation going at different times. And I learned about these people that uh, I I, I didn't know at all previously. And um, I think, I think the article is, um, I, I, it, I'd be very intrigued to read her other pieces. Or is she normally a theater writer? Or is yeah, she she a- do, it's normally about theater. I was looking at some of the other stuff. She, it's more like theater news. I haven't read that many opinion pieces of hers about theater. That was the big one that I found. Uh, yeah. And and I, I agree with you that it's also a thing of respect. Like, yeah. all this aside, I think it is very disrespectful for these people who are... Because it is so hard. It's so hard to focus when you are on that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the show that I did for years, Murder for Two, has it written in the script that if people are on their phone or people's ring... I mean, because there's an ongoing bit in the show, you call them out on it. And it yeah. was one of the most cathartic experiences of my life. Um, because here's the thing kind of the only people who are like no one else in the theater is enjoying that you're on the phone no. everyone else is pissed about it too so just don't do it if, if a loved one is sick and you need updates still put your phone on silent or just maybe skip the theater that night something that i have started to realize uh we as a country are very obsessed well as a culture in general the world always have been obsessed with status where we're at yes in the hierarchy or the social archy i suppose um so many things are about that uh we redefine our status throughout time as technology catches up to us and different cultural norms happen so now the two things that are considered the biggest like status symbols are 
being constantly busy and overworked and stressed. Yes. Um, so like I can't talk right now. I'm just so busy. Yep. Um, and the other is being on your phone yep. because the idea is that my time, because I am so busy, my time is very valuable and I don't have, uh, the free time to not go on my phone because I have a million emails to respond to and a million people to get back to. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, sure. If you can't be off your phone for more than an hour a day, no one's looking at you. And no, and this is something that we all think, and then we do it ourselves, but no one's looking at you and going, look at that important person. Mm -hmm. They're looking at you and going, look at that dick. Mm -hmm. Um, Who do they think they are? Yeah. And we think the same thing about when other people do it. So when we do it, for, it's this weird, like, not, I don't want to say, like, two-way mirror. It's like a warped mirror where we it see is. we see it for what it is when other people do it. And then when we do it, it's, well, I have these things going on and I'm busy and I want to make sure people know I'm busy and blah, blah, blah. And there's also that sense of not wanting to be vulnerable with other people, which yes. we have officially gotten rid of mm-hmm. we're vulnerable on our instagram stories when we tell our secluded network i'm going through this thing i yeah. had this thing happen to me today um but we won't be vulnerable with people in in person like one-on-one yeah. and as you said like at your wedding there were lulls in the conversation there are people who you didn't know and if you were to regress you would have gone on your phone and be like oh that's mm-hmm. great and then got on your phone but by forcing yourself to talk to other people, by getting to know other people, yeah. you, as you said, you learned things and you grew yes, from that. It it's is. keeping us from growing. I think, I think so too. I, I, do, I don't think we need to argue that we need our phones more. No. <laughs> like I, that's, that's the biggest crock of shit that I've heard in such a long time. Um, your phone is, yeah. If, if your phone is your best friend, I, I pity you because when my phone is my best friend, that is when I'm the most depressed. Absolutely. When, when my phone does, do you get those little weekly statuses of if your screen time is up or down? Oh, I, re- I refuse to look at that. Um, I, 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 I keep, I do it to keep myself accountable. And mm-hmm. it's so funny because I always feel worse. Like the, the day that it pops up, I can almost tell if I've spent more time on my phone that week mm-hmm. because I will feel worse. Sure. Because it's, it's just you, it's, it's busy making without doing a- anything. And mm. it, it's, it's, we're not living, you're not living a life. So what, what was her name? J- J- Janakian? L- Lily. I say, let's call her Janiak. Um, yeah. But J-A-N-I-A-K. L- Lily Janiak. I'm sorry, but uh, we don't really do things like this on the show, but you get a boot. I'm not tooting you. You no, get a boot. No, you get a boot. No toot. You, you've been booted, We bitch. are We are Raven and Raja today. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and I under—I understand what the playwright Jeremy Jeremy O'Harris Jeremy Harris Jeremy his Twitter says Jeremy O'Harris. I'm sure people call him Jeremy Harris in person, okay. but I think his stage persona is Jeremy O'Harris. Yeah, um, and I understand what he why he is um been quoted as giving excuses for his actions of if Rihanna texts you because to be honest, I mean if I had written a fucking show Broadway play that that um. I mean, who who would be my like end all, uh, be all like I, Bernadette? I, yeah, if 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 Bernadette was texting me, I would um, I'm sure I would respond, and then I would make an excuse for why I responded as well. But I I really don't think it excuses Rihanna. I, I don't. No. I, I think I think that's just a, a special case where he. I mean, we've seen it so many times with yeah. celebrities in theater, sure. where that's what they do, and then people get upset about it, but then but, they get away with but it. But think about Lin-Manuel Miranda, who famously went on Twitter when Hamilton was still at the public, and he tweeted 
uh, at Madonna that she was not allowed to meet the cast afterwards because she was on her phone the entire time. And I it's think like, that's no, fair. It's like, we're not going to give you respect if you're not going to give it to us. Yeah. And that's, I, yeah, absolutely fair. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think I honestly, not, not to, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in my humble opinion, the only reason why he, it was, making excuses for it is because it was Rihanna. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was starstruck. Yeah. And I'm sure every other phone that's gone off during that show has probably driven him crazy. I, I know that it drives writers crazy. Yeah. It drives me crazy. So, yeah. yeah okay. I, I but you're, you're, Lily. Boot. Lily Boot. Lily, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar. You're the top. You're a Coolidge dollar. For the first time in over a year here on the Broadway Breakdown, we are doing a jukebox that I musical. Know it. I could feel it in my bone. <laughs> I'm very excited to see how this turns out. Full disclosure, I had, I was writing this last night while I was house managing, and then this morning before I had coffee, and then on the subway over here. So, part of it is completely crazy. It's meant to be. Yeah, that's what they always um, are. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. Um, you excited, John? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 um, uh, yeah, John has no idea what this is. Yeah, I'm just going to be an active yeah. listener and I will not be on my phone. Oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. I appreciate that. Funny story, I was originally going to do one because they just announced that they're making a musical out of Sideways. I don't know if you remember Sideways. I do. It, I've never I've never seen it, but I, I feel like I remember yeah. reading that. I feel like that's yeah. been in the, in, the, in the talks for a while. Yeah. So, it's. I mean, it's. it was a book that got made into a movie with Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church about two middle-aged white men, not middle-aged, late 30s, yeah. late 30s, early 40s, uh, go out to wine country before one of them goes to get married and then drink wine uh he's the married guy sleeps with a bunch of women paul giamatti's in love with this one woman they made it into a play and now they're making it into a musical the novelist is writing the book and kathleen marshall's directing it oh fun yes and i'm i'm so for it uh i what i wasn't here for was his statement as to choosing her because he goes i we've done the movie now and the play and i'm ready for someone to stop focusing on the journey of these two men and really make it more about Miles, the Paul Giamatti character, and the female protagonist. And I'm like, sure, but you know that's... And I've read the novel. I'm like, you know that's not what you wrote, though, right? right? I'm like, totally here for a new interpretation, but like, don't blame Alexander Payne and Des Mackinoff for making it about the two men when that's what you wrote. Right. Uh, so that made and that pissed me off a little bit. Um, but that's all to say, I was going to do a, a jukebox that musical about that, and make it, and call it diagonally and make it a lesbian version of sideways oh all close to Etheridge music but yes. i don't know enough of her songs except for come either. to my window yeah i mean it could just be come to my window every 2 seconds i mean in some ways isn't that just what hades town is it's just <laughs> come to my window subtextually the entire time yeah anyway so i'll begin perfect this is called so emotional a Whitney Houston musical with a book not technically written by Shonda Rhimes, but inspired from Shonda Rhimes. I see that. So, open on Big City, 1999. The city's name is Shondaland. Naturally. It's a combination of Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., and Seattle. Millennium approaches, but not that one. <laughs> the stage is lit and painted in a dozen varieties of blue. Navy, sapphire, cobalt, whatever. Our stunningly hot ensemble of every ethnicity comes out and they dance in a style that I can only describe as musical theater hip-hop. Sure. They begin the song, Love Will Save the Day. I see a bunch of kids from Elon and CCM dancing to this. Oh yeah, absolutely. As this continues, uh, 
we get the idea that they're all starting their work day. Mm. Um, ev- our one stunningly beautiful man, we learn, is a telemarketer. Our ensemble woman, who could pass for Victoria's Secret model, is a cashier. Sure. And the Jack dancer with the most piercing blue eyes you've ever seen turns out to be a janitor. I believe it. Hot people. They're just like us. <laughs> Out of the storm of hot people comes Catherine, late 20s, also extremely attractive, but spunky and fiercely intelligent, so you know she's different. She is played by Taylor Louderman. Catherine comes on stage and puts on her raincoat. Her hot roommate Lulu, played by Ariana DeBose, comes out and is like, Catherine, why are you wearing a raincoat? It's Shondaland in 1999. It hasn't rained in six months. Catherine's like, you know me. I like to be prepared. I'm starting my first day of residency at the veterinarian hospital. I don't want anything to mess me up. Lulu's like, you stress too much. Take away the jacket and the umbrella. So Catherine does, and then she heads out. The dancers continue to sing and dance. Love will save the day. As they part, Holden, played by Corey Cott, comes out. Oh, gosh. His car is broken down and Uber doesn't exist yet, so he has to take the bus. <gasps> Crazy. It's 99. Oh my god. I deliberately said this in 99. Next up comes Melanie, played by Philippa Sue. She strolls across the stage super confident and ferocious, and she's wearing a raincoat and holding an umbrella. Raincoats and umbrellas are a big image for like see, people who are confident that. know what they're doing and don't. Yeah. Yeah, imagery. Um, then Jeremy, played by Adam Jacobs. <laughs> Runs out on his cell phone. We understand he's talking to his soon-to-be ex-wife, pleading not to get a divorce. Susan, don't do this. Let's work it out, he says. Then the song stops abruptly, because there's a rainstorm. <gasps> Catherine is stuck with no umbrella or raincoat. She asks the strolling Melanie if she could duck under her umbrella to get to the bus stop, but Melanie just keeps walking by. Then Jeremy wanders over with his umbrella and offers Catherine to walk under with him. They have some light banter about trusting strangers. And then... Even after all that, she relents and they take the, uh, they go under his umbrella and he offers her a ride to wherever she needs to go. Mm. She says to the animal hospital and he's like, no way, I'm the resident there. And she goes, you're my boss. And he makes a joke about how I won't dock you for being late. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Office sexual politics have no place in Shondaland in case no one has noticed. No. Uh, they accidentally touch hands and the stage for a second goes completely purple. Oh, someone's Oklahoma. I did. They look at each other, then they retreat. They get to the Meredith Washington Pope Clinic for Animals. <laughs> yeah, the MWPCA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mwapaka. Yeah, the Mwapaka. Um, It's called the Pope for short. Um, The chief of surgery and head of the board of directors, as well as the chief resident, badass boss Dr. Kendra O'Malley, is played by B.B. Newirth. (gasps) I was just talking about B.B. Newirth. We're always talking about B.B. Newirth. She is amazing. I miss those pins. I want those pins back on Broadway. Those gams. Those gams, baby. She shows up greeting all the new young hot interns. Welcome to the Pope, she says. She gives us information about the hospital, and we know she's in charge because she wrote a best-selling book on animal care called Stray's Anatomy, How to Get Away with Saving Your Pets Without a Scandal. Goodbye. 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 (laughs) Everyone is there except for Holden, who runs in soaking wet, having just taken the bus. Dr. Davis, Kendra says, interns are expected to be on time and dry when reporting for duty. Let it happen again, and I'll make sure it isn't just the dogs that are neutered. People are also confused because Kendra has many job titles. And they're like, Kendra, what is your main job title? To which Kendra explains... (laughs) 
Jeremy, now in a doctor's code, passes Catherine, and he's like, hey, banter. And Catherine's like, yeah, banter. <laughs> Catherine sees Melanie, and she's like, uh, you didn't lend me your umbrella earlier. And Melanie turns around, her Philippa Sue hair effortlessly whipping around with her. And she says, let's get one thing straight. I am here to become the best there is. I'm not here to make friends, make lovers, or make family. Wow, that's the most emotion I've ever seen Philippa Sue <laughs> portray. Bitch, that girl can cry on cue. Really? Yeah. Did you not see Natasha Pierre on the Great Company of 1812 with her? I oh, no, you saw it on the Broadway. I she cried a lot in I, that. I've seen everything else she's done, and since then I've been like, oh, you don't need to feel anything, I guess. Yeah. Well, I saw her in Amelie and Hamilton, and Hamilton, I thought, she wasn't unemotional, just quiet, um, which made sense because the rest of the show was like, bah! Yeah. Amelie, I don't blame her for because that entire show was NyQuil, but... <laughs> Great comet. She cried up a storm. She was amazing. I saw her three times. Anyway, <laughs> she says, not here to make friends, lovers, or f- make family. I'm out for me. And as long as you don't get in my way, we won't have a problem. So bow down or step aside, because I'm going to be the best veterinarian that ever was. I mean, I've heard people say that. All the time. All, all the time. She all then, the live long day. She then sings a reprise of I'm Every Woman and stalks away. Then Jeremy comes to greet Catherine as uh, she's being a little let down from her first day. And he's like, you'll get used to it. It's scary, but you're you're here because you're good. And she's all, I am. They flirt some more before an emergency case comes storming through the front doors. A man's pet reindeer, played by Max Clayton, has been yep. hit by a car and needs its legs healed. Kendra and Jeremy assess and decide on surgery. Jeremy takes over and Adam Jacobs and Max Clayton do a sexual surgery potida to an instrumental rendition of Why Does It Hurt So Bad? Oh my goodness. I can play for you right now. This screams reindeer <laughs> surgery to me. <laughs> Doesn't it? It does. And just imagine Max Clayton, most likely in faux leather, like kind of looking like a more stripped down version of the cat's costumes. Yeah. With Matt, with Adam Jacobs and just like a sexual pas de deux because he's giving him new legs. I, I, I see it. I've dreamt it. Um, then the reindeer is healed and Max Clayton leaps off the stage. <laughs> The interns watch this, all taken aback. Then they go to the local bar to grab a post-work drink and discuss what they've seen. Bartending is Lulu, Catherine's roommate. She and Catherine swap workday anecdotes. Melanie comes over to say, hey, remember, I'm not here for friends. Then she sits alone at the bar. (laughs) Holden comes over and he's like, that Kendra man, what's her deal? And then immediately starts hitting on Lulu. (gasps) Lulu laughs this off and tells Jeremy it will never happen because though she's got the stuff that he wants, the thing that he needs, she is... I wish you all could have seen Matt's posture throughout the last (laughs) sentence. He had like one wavy hand in the air, another hand on the hip, and like a third spiritual (laughs) hand just tossing his hair back and forth. It was very... he he, um, That's like the fourth time we've been told that people should look at me when I'm making this podcast. I'm very visual. Very visual. Um... Where am I? All right. All the patrons of the bar grind and bop and box step while Ariana DeBose kicks face casually like, oh, this old thing? (laughs) Holden, proving that he can keep up with Lulu's hot night lifestyle, starts to sing some of Queen of the Night back to her. And because it's Cory Cod, he does it in her key. Yes. They riff off each other and then they fall into bed together. (gasps) A few weeks later, Holden is falling behind on work because Lulu is keeping him up late at night for sex. Catherine is unsympathetic, telling Holden that Lulu was upfront about the whole Queen of the Night thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> Will you stop keeping me up for sex? And she's like, bitch, I told you I'm the queen of the night. Um, Holden walks away depressed as Jeremy comes in and he's like, anyone special in your life, Catherine? Catherine flirtatiously says no. Then Jeremy casually mentions his divorce to his soon-to-be ex-wife, Susan. Uh, he doesn't know when he'll be ready to date again and then he walks off and Catherine sings, This leads her back to her apartment where she and Lulu drink wine out of wine glasses the size of their heads. They discuss their love lives and dissatisfaction with them. Though Lulu is getting laid regularly and Catherine looks like Taylor Louderman, all they want to do is dance with somebody. And Catherine looks like oh Taylor God. Louderman because, because she, she is, is Taylor, Taylor Louderman. <laughs> okay, cool. It's very, very, very meta. Very meta. Very meta. <laughs> they say uh, Ariana DeBose once again gets a dance solo, and Taylor yeah. Louderman poses ferociously. She just like bevels, and yeah. the kickball changes during the song. The stage, which has been blue and then purple, turns bright yellow. <gasps> As the song comes to an end, we see Melanie alone on her couch in her apartment, and she sings an acoustic version of "I Want to Dance with Somebody." I knew that. I knew out of all the songs, that was going to be the most acoustic. Just you wait, Henry Higgins. Then her doorbell rings. She goes to answer it, and it's Kendra slash BB Newworth. <gasps> they I kiss, s- and the lights go out. No, I expected, but also I'm, gl- I'm glad that you added some lesbianism to the a Whitney Houston oh, there's, musical. Bitch, we, there's more. We don't want to. We don't want to straight wash it. No, sexual fluidity is part of Shondaland, but I'll, sexual fluidity slash sexual inconsistency, I guess, mm. is what I would more call it for Shondaland. Because um, yeah. it's usually the women who like get a lot of dick, and then they're like, "I'm gay for two seasons," then they get dick again. Yeah, which is fine. Be- it is fine. You do you, but it's but again, they don't talk about it like I'm exploring my sexuality. It's more just like, oh yeah, no, this season I'm gay. Yeah. A month later, Melanie is promoted from intern to assistant resident. Catherine's like, "That's a position," and Holden makes a comment about there being many positions if you know what he means. Catherine turns around and she says, "My aunt had a pet rabbit." Holden doesn't know what this means until Catherine continues and goes on to recite a long speech about sexual harassment and consent and the rights of women. That's super unrealistic in its length, but it's also kind of powerful nonetheless. Because I don't know if you notice this about Shondaland shows. Usually a scene will happen, and right before somebody makes a big old monologue, they'll say something that seems so totally out of left field. Yes. And then they will speak uninterrupted for three minutes. Yep. And then it ends with their first sentence again. So Catherine continues about sexual harassment, women in the workforce, uh, women's rights, and then she goes to Holden, so in conclusion, you don't get to speak to me like that because I am not your pet rabbit. <gasps> oh, wow. And everyone in the audience goes, Whoa. It took us five minutes to get there, Catherine, but we got there. <laughs> Much like sex. Then she stalks off. Holden goes, man, women, right? But it's time that I face some hard truths about myself if I want to grow. He then sings, I'm knocking. The ensemble of women come on stage, not as his backup, but as his supportive ensemble. Listen up. Who's to say it's easy? Sometimes life's not fair. I've heard some... The following week, Catherine and Melanie assist on a quill transplant for a porcupine, played by John Wiscavage. Oh my God, you guys. I haven't put John in a show for so long. Ugh. 
And me being a prickly little porcupine. Oh, it's, it's typecasting. Yeah. Melanie cracks under the pressure and runs outside. Catherine finishes the surgery and goes to see if Melanie is okay. Melanie at first resists Catherine's kind words, then sure. cries Philippa's sue tears as she discusses her self-doubts and how she doesn't know if she has it inside of her to be what she wants to be. Catherine assures her she does, because she's too pretty not to be successful in Shondaland. Yes. Even so, the two sing a duet of There Is In Music In You. Melanie asks Catherine how she stays so strong. Catherine says, this may be the wrong time as you're in trauma mode, but my parents were murdered many years ago. This comes back. Character building. Yeah. That trauma made me strong and interesting to everyone around me. I developed a quirky and bold exterior so people wouldn't mess with me, but I also curated my look to be approachable, so I'm sending mixed signals every day. Yeah. Uh, Melanie receives these mixed signals and tries to kiss her. But Catherine rejects her kindly and says Melanie doesn't need to give sexuality back to people in exchange for kindness. Oh, good lesson. Emboldened by this, Melanie storms into Kendra's office and says they will no longer scissor and that Melanie will earn her promotions from now on. Kendra says, Dr. Everett, kindly remember that it's our patients that have rabies, not our interns. Melanie's confused, but she knows this is meant to be a burn, so she leaves. As she does, she tells Catherine to go for what she wants, and Catherine, emboldened, finds Jeremy, who has up until now just been a nice, sexy resident, offering support. Catherine kisses Jeremy hard and says, work is over in four hours, but let's go to your place now and do it. (gasps) Yes, Jeremy agrees, and the stage transitions to his apartment as they sing, For the Love of You. Once they finish, Catherine goes to the bathroom. Jeremy gets a call on his cell phone, and his whole demeanor changes to intense as he says over the phone, I'm here. She's in the bathroom. No, she has no idea she's in danger. I'll keep close eyes on her. We can't blow our cover. Blackout intermission! Oh my goodness. Twist. What a sex twist. What a sex twist. But the sex has just begun. Uh-oh. Because... Because act two is just a, a Whitney orgy. Uh-oh. <laughs> Oops. I, mean, I know someone too well. Too well. Well, act two. Opener. Oh, God. The Pope Animal Hospital at night. All the animals that have to stay overnight due to surgery or whatnot are all in cages or crates or secluded areas, and they're going crazy longing for their owners. <laughs> all the animals are played by the ensemble in skin tight faux leather. Think the Cats movie, but sexy. Hmm. I don't know why. And then we go into the beginning of So Emotional. Oh, good. The entire ensemble breaks out into what I can only describe as the Jellicle Ball, but horny. So the Jellicle Ball. I guess. I mean, I've never thought of the Jellicle Ball as horny, but yeah. On the button, lightning flashes, and Catherine bolts out in Jeremy's bed, waking from a nightmare of the horny Jellicle Ball. Mm -hmm. I know. Just then, there's a knock on the door. (gasps) Jeremy opens it, and it's his soon-to-be ex, Susan. (gasps) Hello, Jeremy, she says. We have things to discuss. Susan, played by Kate Walsh, because no one does ex-wives better, is dressed in a Burberry raincoat and holding an expensive umbrella. (laughs) I love that, like, age-wise, it doesn't make sense, but type-wise, it makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Everyone in the audience is like, oh, I get it. Yeah. She tells Catherine she can see Jeremy tomorrow. Catherine completely misunderstands the situation, gets mad, and walks out the door to her apartment. Outside her building is Holden, drunk and shouting for Lulu to take him inside the building, and then inside her... 
Catherine goes inside and asks Lulu what she wants to do about it. Nothing, Lulu says. Let him get a taste of what it's like to have nothing. And right on cue, Holden turns to the audience and sings, I Split screen scene of Lulu and Catherine and Jeremy and Susan. Catherine and Lulu drink wine and discuss the men of their lives. Catherine wants to know if Jeremy loves her. Lulu doesn't care if Holden gets pneumonia. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Susan tells Jeremy that he wasn't supposed to sleep with Catherine. She came on to me, Jeremy defends. Susan retorts, so did I once upon a time, so clearly smart women can make bad decisions. Clearly. Jeremy defends himself again as a good guy, but Susan responds with what we... uh, Wait. Why, why did I write? Sorry, Uh-oh. this was this was one of the late at night posts. Uh, oh, read what you wrote because I want to. I want to. I want to <laughs> hear it in its truth. Jeremy defends himself again as a good guy, but Susan responds with, "He was supposed to just protect Catherine, not sleep with her." And those are in quotes. He admits he went too far and won't do so again. They agree. Meanwhile, Catherine sings an acoustic version of "How Will I Know." How will I know if he really me? Back at the clinic, Holden has pneumonia. <laughs> he gets all of the animals sick. <gasps> no, sent- even me? Even you. Oh, no. John, let's be very clear here. When I talk about the horny, sexy ensemble, you were not I knew in I that. was not in that. I knew that. I knew that. I know that I have a princess track. <laughs> you do? <laughs> I know that, like, I get one feature. I maybe get, like, a couple act two laugh lines. <laughs> Just, but literally only that. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But Jeremy is sent home by Kendra because he has pneumonia. And Jeremy tries to explain to Catherine what's happening, but she's hearing none of it. She wants to know if he picks her or Susan. And then she belts, a, belts out a song that is 100% true. It's called... Literally have never heard this. You could, this could be a fake Whitney Houston song and you'd <laughs> could be playing be. it and I could be like, But hey, like, sure. I, I think the gist is meant to be she's with a lover who had an ex-lover and she, I, maybe like they were in bed and he said Susan and she's like, I'm not Susan. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, We've all which been I get. there. But. Yes. And so Taylor Latterman sings, my name is not Susan. Um, he says he's not picking Susan, but that he can't be with Catherine. Catherine doesn't understand and Jeremy remains sexually restrained and tortured with the information he's holding on to. Sure. Kendra sees Catherine struggling and gives her some advice to love herself with the greatest love of all. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. She then suggests that they go to a local bar and get shit-faced, because office politics have no room in Shondaland. Yep. They go to the bar and Kendra meets Lulu. Immediately there's a connection. I'm Your Baby Tonight is a song that they sing together. Have you heard that? You know that one. I, I do. Yeah. I, I would actually like to point out that maybe to throw a wrench into this, like for a, a last minute twist, yeah. you should create a character who's the HR of the... Of the At the very end of the show, yeah. HR comes HR out and goes, goes, like, you guys... We've got some things to talk about. You gotta stop yeah. everything you've been doing. We've got some things to talk about, everybody. Catherine, though, is left unattended while Lulu and Kendra drunkenly sing to each other. And Catherine, very drunk, calls Jeremy and demands that they meet because he needs to explain to her what's happening. Lights out on the bar and lights up at the back of the stage where we see Jeremy watching the bar from across the street (gasps) with Susan. (gasps) She wants him not to get more involved and walks away. Jeremy, Jeremy sings a reprise of For the Love of You to Catherine from across the street. He then goes into the bar like he hasn't been outside the entire time. Yeah. He walks in and Catherine gives another Shonda Rhimes-esque speech, this time drunk and a little more off the beaten track. Uh-huh. Starting about her father's old Buick as well and then transitioning to her parents' murder and then her pe- aunt's pet rabbit again and then her love for Jeremy. And then 
she is about to sing. And, I... and Jeremy stops her immediately. <laughs> he goes, no, stop it. Screw it, Catherine. You need to know the truth. Your parents weren't murdered. <gasps> they murdered someone else <gasps> and are in hiding. <gasps> Catherine takes this news surprisingly calmly. Well, we yeah. find out that the animal hospital is actually a front for an assassin agency. Well, uh, there you go. There that, go. That's why, that, that's <laughs> that's why, why HR, no HR is, is like, well, if we're, why even pretend? To Susan was originally a vet slash assassin with them as well. and But then Catherine's parents accidentally botched an assignment and killed the wrong assassin from an enemy agency. And now they have to go into hiding. Sure. Susan has been their contact to the outside world this whole time. And Catherine asks, so your divorce with Susan is not real then? To which Jeremy replies, oh, no, it's real. She's a total bitch. As Kendra and Lulu scissor in the back, Catherine takes a moment to process this information by singing, It's not right, but it's okay. It's not right, but it's okay. I'm gonna make it anyway. She then turns to Jeremy and says, I don't need a man in my life, but I want one, and you're it. And the two begin, You give good love. That's based off of a Meredith Jeez line. Louise, the, the condom and dental dam budget of this show alone <laughs> is just, I hope... B.B. North's got to stretch again. She's yeah, um, Louise. But that is based off of a line where Meredith's like, I don't need you in my life, Derek, but I want you there. Um, the next day at the clinic, Holden is no longer sick, but the animals still are. Melanie decides to pone up and perform emergency flu shots to all the animals. Holden offers to help her. I don't need help from anyone, says Melanie. I know, says Holden. I'm not offering because I think you need it. I'm offering because I want to. Together they sing all at once while performing flu shots to all the animals. Sure, emergency flu shots to animals. I'm not a vet myself, but I imagine that's very common. You just give everyone flu (laughs) shots when you don't know what's going on. Just just give everyone, just free free range animal shots. And then to bring him back. Uh, With the same needle. (laughs) Oh, it's the same needle. Where are we at? Oh. They sing all at once, all the animals. Catherine bursts in and tells Holden and Melanie how the hospital is really a front for an assassin agency. Sure. They have questions, but we're all vets in training. Why hire us for real if the place is just a front? <laughs> I don't know, says Catherine, because emotions. Very fair. Very fair question, fair response. They all agree, because emotions. Because they're emotions. all so emotional. Title song. But wait, asks Melanie, now that you know your parents aren't murdered in somewhere in the world, don't you want to see them? No, says Catherine, offering no further explanation. Fair. Kendra bursts through with Lulu holding a gun to, Lu- to Kendra's head. Everyone stay calm, shouts Lulu. It turns out Lulu is an assassin for the enemy agency and has been assigned for the past year to watch Catherine and get close to someone in the hospital in hopes of finding out where her parents are. Now that she and Kendra have scissored, she can stop pretending. Mm. You two scissored, cried Melanie, for some reason a tiny bit of jealousy there. It is never. It is ignored that Melanie and Kendra have a sexual past in the show and Holden doesn't even acknowledge that awkward I've seen you naked energy flowing between the two of them. <laughs> You know, we've all had that energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you've seen someone naked and it's been for like a sexual reason and you see them again and you're no longer sexual, there is a slight tinge, no matter how calm you are, of oh, yeah. the I've seen you naked. Yeah, I just had that this week. Like literally. Oh, you saw Sondheim? Yeah, great. I did. I was like, Sondheim. Thank you. Um, Jeremy and Susan burst in trying to stop Lulu, but Lulu shoots Susan, who falls to the floor dead. <gasps> so quick. So quick. <laughs> Bye. Her name is Susan. Just as everything seems hopeless, Max Clayton, the sexy reindeer, bursts in with his new legs and tries to do a fierce pas de deux with Lulu to get the 
gun away from her. Ariana DeBose and Max Clayton do what I call a fierce di- disarming pas de deux to an instrumental arrangement of Queen Did of the Night. Did you just learn the, the phrase pas de deux this week? Yes. Because that's... I said a, it four times Yeah, in, you, you, really, you really dug into the pas de deux. The pas de deux. I just like it. And I, I have, get it. I, I have no it. other term for I, two I just, people I just, dancing. I just wanted to ask. Yeah, no. I, I know. <laughs> no, I have no... I, it's not that I just learned it. It's that I haven't learned any new words. Right. Um, We're still recording, right? Yeah, sorry. We're almost done. We're almost done, guys. <clears throat> then, just as uh, Max Clayton is about to disarm Lulu, a cell phone goes off in the audience and the entire atmosphere has been shattered. Oh, my God. The audience groans as the patron at first pretends to ignore that it's their phone. Then, finally, they give in when the gay in the audience, me, goes over and says, if you don't turn that thing off, I will hunt you down after the show, rip out all of your hair, and turn it into a pashmina. Sure. They turn it off and the dance continues. Reindeer Max Clayton disarms Lulu and throws the gun to Catherine as he has no thumbs to pull the trigger. Catherine pulls the trigger and Lulu That's very dies. well thought out. You are correct. I thought this through You are correct. Immensely. A reindeer would have much trouble pulling a trigger. <laughs> Catherine pulls the trigger and Lulu dies. BB North looks at it all and she goes... Just another day at the Pope. Yeah, just another day. Everyone smirks in a, we just saw some shit, but in three days we'll be okay kind of way. The way that always happens in Shondaland. Kendra goes to the closet, removes three white coats, and hands them to our sexy young interns. Now they're all residents. They sing a reprise of, it's not right, but it's okay. As they walk towards the front of the stage in their white ensembles, new vets and possibly assassins. (laughs) I was just going to say, it was like returns to normal as vets, as assassins. Unclear. Yes. Part two with human resources, Shondaland 2. <laughs> oh no, Shondaland 2, human resources. <laughs> Curtain call. They do about a how will I know because they have to. Yeah, Even yeah, though yeah, the yeah, ending was a little bit of a downer slash optimistic, the bows are completely separate and it's yeah. full on. How will I know if he really loves me? Everyone is in Louboutins. Yeah. Oh. Everyone's in Louboutins because... Taylor Lauderman walked so well in them in Mean Girls, and I wanted to do them again. And that is the end of So Emotional, a shot of Rhymes Winnie Houston musical, baby. That was over the course of 24 hours, everybody. Gay rights. Gay rights. Please donate to the Gay Men's Chorus. You can find my Instagram Please page. Please do. Please do. For more details. Um, congratulations. What a what a feat. I really um I really connected. To the symbolism of colors, of the blues and the purples. And a little um, yellow there, too. And the, and the yellows. Uh, excuse me. The multi-ethnic cast. I really did enjoy that. I, I enjoyed um, the fluidity of, of, the, of the Shonda sexuality spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that there weren't too many acoustic covers. I liked just there were two. just just enough. Yeah. And the, and the rest were held true to their kind of boppiness. A lot of bop. Um, I, I I love um, a reindeer hero. I've always yeah. I always have always will. I'm also here for Max Clayton playing animals because he just makes me feel like an animal. Yeah, I imagined I imagined him definitely like as you said like in like leather, very harnessy, very mm-hmm. um, yeah, very. Uh, and you save so much money on faux fur because he's hairy. Yes, in like the sexiest manly way possible he's two years younger than me i believe but Wait, i'm like really yeah he's i think he's 27 I, I always forget that he's younger than me too because mm-hmm. he's one of those people yeah i mean i feel you like look he, at him and you're like you're my father yeah i feel like people uh, gays who look like us so kind of like um uh sickly young white ones yeah um 
gives you a look like us. I feel like it's very common that uh, there's so many times in my life where I've looked at people and been like, oh, you know, that 35 year old. And then they're like, I'm 22. I just graduated from UMish. And oh I have a jawline that you can cut diamonds with. Mm. And I'm like, what is what is jawline? What is what jawline? is uh, what, what, what is tricep? Um, I, the next jukebox musical. This is a challenge for you now. Okay. I think it'll be one that you want to do. Sickly young white ones. A One Direction musical. Oh my gosh, a One Direction musical. I think you or, could make that work. I feel like that'd be fun for you. I could. I could make that work. I'm trying to think of who else really fits in that sickly young white um men. I mean, you know so many. I do. Well, you're friends with Alex Weiss. I do. That's a sickly young white man. No, I was trying to think of like pop stars. Oh, pop stars. Um, Because One Direction... Ed Sheeran on cocaine? I just don't like Ed Sheeran. I'll think about it. No, but but you need to include some One Direction stuff in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Carter, maybe? Hmm. Old school he's, he's really he's sick now yeah he's he's really he he, he he's delved he's opened that book sean mendes um, or mendes how do you say his name sean mendes sean mendes i don't know sean mendes <laughs> i don't know give, give I me mean, give me your sam, game give me your game and core there's, shirt there's sam mendes it's sean mendes okay fantastic love right. it so much all right i will i will take the challenge i might make it i might make it more of a spongebob musical jute sure. where it's where it's many you know maybe some sufian stevens love some Ooh, uh, yeah. rufus wainwright some uh and the poster is some just Troy's. the poster is just a naked timothy chalamet with a peach in front of his crotch yeah great Same. love it sickly sickly young white men yeah sickly, sorry sickly young white things i think is what we called it right sure right. I'll, yes. I'll go back and yes, find I it did. um yeah Congrats! Thank that was, you. Thanks, thanks for thanks for bringing that back. I'm so glad to have done this for everybody. Uh, we should wrap this up because we are running long. But this has been such a pleasure, this Matt. Is, this has been a pleasure, John. Thank you so much for coming back to me. Of course, I will keep living merely to do this podcast. I would have it no other way. I know. <laughs> um, you can find me and John on Instagram. Um, at our names and uh even though nobody wrote a new review for us uh john did become healthy enough to return to the podcast i was trying to bribe your health uh for a new review and no one was having it because no one cares enough about it. they're like please let him die oh, yeah. well now that you're healthy maybe they're like well maybe if i write a review he'll die oh yeah um, i could do that yeah so john write a review die. and i'll die yeah there we go um i don't know I, just, I i like reading them and it helps spread the word uh the more review, it's a weird thing but like when you rate us and when you write reviews for us we like something happens with the algorithm on itunes and we get recommended more yeah um I would like more people to find us. I want more message boards to talk about our stupid stupidness. Yes, of course, um, always. Yeah, I mean, I need Max Clayton at the next Gypsy of the Year Festival to do a pas de with Ariana DeBose to an instrumental version of Queen of the Night. I'm putting that into the universe right now, and they will come back to this podcast, and we will be superheroes. Um, and that's it, yeah. Uh, who should we have close us out today? Um, We've already had Ariana DeBose and Taylor Louderman, yes. just FYI. I was going to say, the, both of them sounded uh, like we've used them already. Um, who shall we do? I can't think of a diva right now. Why can't they? We've well, had Sherry Renee Scott, right? We have. We could do either the two divas from the jukebox, BB Newworth or Philippa Sue, or we could do somebody else if you're in the mood. Let's do BB Newworth. BB Newworth. I've been thinking, like I said, I was thinking about those pins. Think about those gams. Yeah, and then that. Pinny placement. Yes. Yeah, she's got a very nice placement, actually. Yeah. Yeah, for a dance dance. Yeah. All right. Dance dance. So, this has been Broadway Breakdown, everybody. I'm Matt Koplick. I'm John Miscavige. And we'll uh, talk to you next time. Take us away, Miss New Worth. Pada do it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm the one.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.